When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about codependency, something that you hear a lot about. And I think it can be misunderstood, but it's a really important concept that we need to understand. So I'm going to explain that to you and how we can manage that. But before we begin, I just want to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes and not medical advice. So if you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And I also want to ask you to help me with this podcast by subscribing to wherever you listen to podcasts and give me a send. I'd love a review. If you put a review up, I'd love five stars. Put a review up and tell me what you are learning from this and let me know and, and where I can help you and add more value to your life with these podcasts. I do a lot of research, as you know, and I'm constantly doing new clinical trials and researching so that I can bring the latest and most effective information on mental health to the table. And so subscribing really helps in this process, and it's very encouraging, so thank you. So now let's get on to today's podcast, Codependency. What is codependency? Okay, so we as humans need each other. We all know that. We are actually codependent. We see from a lot of scientific research that when we are in deep, meaningful relationships, our health improves. When in isolation, our health gets affected. We've had, there are many, many studies showing how important this is. And boy, over COVID, have we really understood the dangers of isolation. It's really become evident. So we are codependent. The issue is when the relationship has become toxic and for some reason and very often it's when someone is battling with very often some sort of addictive behavior maybe some sort of substance abuse or whatever it may be something that's addictive and an addictive behavior is not a brain disease it is a symptom of an underlying issue and that underlying issue is so painful that the person is using substances or behaviors etc to basically manage that And so one of the ways that a person who's battling with something is that they can become addicted to needing someone else in a way that goes beyond codependent into codependency, where it is becoming kind of toxic, where the relationship is not empowering, it is enabling more bad behaviors between both the caretaker and the person who is the caretaker is looking after, so the dependent or so the person who the caretaker is looking after. So people on both sides, we can kind of fall into, as a caretaker, there's certain things that we, that you, what I'm trying to say is that you can't say that the dependent is the wrong part of the relationship or the caretaker. It's always both and it's always the inter- interaction. What I do want to caution here is that we really do need to be careful about putting people into categories, you know, diagnosing and labeling and saying that's code, that person's codependent or that is codependency as though it's an 
it and it's this finite thing and that there's all the factors that are involved involve you because you can talk about codependency and you can describe and I'm going to describe the sort of the, the, the nine main warning signs that we can look at when it comes to codependent codependency when they're becoming toxic. But a lot of those you it doesn't mean you have to have all nine to recognize that there is a potentially a problem in a relationship between you and someone else, whether you're the caretaker or the one who's dependent. You could have one or more. You could have more than the nine signs. So these are just a very broad overview. And I want you to have a very expansive understanding that this codependency is basically, it's a warning signal. It's a type of warning signal of that there's something going on. So there's an addiction. There's, a, there's someone who's got an issue. There's someone else who's got an issue. They're in this relationship. And what might have initially started out as a codependent to help has now maybe shifted from empowering into enabling. And there's certain elements and each situation is unique, etc. But there's certain principles and elements that are evolved that we need to recognize to shift to, to to see are we in being codependent in a healthy sense and empowering each other, or has it turned into an enabling codependency that's toxic? Okay. So a, a basic definition that I'm that I'm just going to read you that's kind of a summary of all over the place is a codependent relationship is a kind of dysfunctional relationship where one person is a caretaker, the other person and the other person takes advantage. The codependent relationships are extremely common among people with substance abuse. And basically, one partner will take care of the other to the extent of enabling that partner's addictive behavior. And that may not be the intention initially. It may be the intention initially. You may have a caretaker whose identity is so and self-esteem is so shot that they're getting their self-esteem and their needs met by fixing someone else or by looking after someone else. And that would be the wrong reason. When we reach out and help someone else, it comes from a place of strength inside of us and a place of empathy. And the, the motivation is you absolutely love that person and you want them to heal. So you're doing whatever you can to help them heal. So that that would be code that would be healthy versus oh I have to be the one who's always fixing and I have to always be the one taking care. Because the only time I'm valued is when I'm actually helping someone else. That would be the wrong motivation to help someone. So we have to always question why we are doing what we're doing on both sides. So when codependency is coming into the into the conversation or it's coming into your mind, into your mind that maybe this is something not healthy about this relationship, we need to start asking those kinds of questions. I love fall. Whether I'm cozying up by the fire to watch a movie with my family or picking pumpkins to decorate for the holidays. But when it comes to enjoying the colder months, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself mentally and physically without having to sacrifice. And that's exactly what I get with Hazar, the refreshing and flavorful seltzer made with probiotics for gut health, which is closely tied to immune health. Experience the great tasting flavors that are perfect to enjoy this fall, whether you're going apple picking or watching a game with friends, or at just three grams of sugar or less per 12 ounce can. Hazer can help you feel your best. My personal favorite is the crisp, juicy pear flavor, which goes great with a splash of fresh pressed apple, cider, or juice. Although my husband loves a tangy raspberry lemon, especially with a bowl of yummy popcorn while watching his favorite fall movie. Get ready to fill your fridge by stocking up on Hazer Probiotic Seltzer by using the code DRLEAF for 20% off your order at drinkhazer.com. That's code Dr. Lee for 20% off at drinkhuzzah.com. The link and details will be in the show notes. Okay, so basically 
code, when, when it turns into this toxic kind of codependency and it's moved away from the healthy, deep, meaningful relationship, dependent, codependent stuff, then we need to, it's not good for either person, both the caretaker and the dependent. And it allows, kind of almost enables things to get worse. And it's really hard to kind of break it as well. But there's certain signs. So what I'm going to do now is go through some of the main signs and then talk about how to recognize when it's, where, where it's healthy and where it's shifting. And you can be, as I said, have one more or all of them and be in certain stages of shifting from empowerment to enablement or vice versa in any one of these different signs. And something else that I've written down is that is that uh, that I just want to to talk about as well is that perhaps one of the main ways to determine codependency is to stop looking at the what, the neediness, the clinginess, the control, and look at the why. Okay, so not just the what we want to use the what we want to embrace the what, the neediness, the clinginess, the control, because we want to gather awareness of that and we want to reflect on that in order to find the why. Okay, so we can't just stop at the what, because if we just go to the keep doing this, this neediness, this cleanliness, this control, whichever way, and we just focus on that, it's going to create more of a negative reaction in both partners and in the people around you. And it's going to it's going to bleed into other relationships because it's going to affect how you function as a person, either the dependent or the co or the, the person who's the caretaker. It's going to drain because it's toxic. It's going to drain energy from the brain and the body and the mind. And that's going to bleed into affecting other relationships. So other people get affected and will potentially start reacting negatively and could start saying to the caretaker, you only care about that person. You only this, you know, you're only involved in that. What about me? That kind of stuff can happen and so on. So we, we've got to be aware that we must look from the what and in the neurocycle. And the neurocycle is a system that I've developed over 38 years of research that I talk about all the time in my podcast. It is how you clean up the mess. The neurocycle is a system that I've developed based on clinical trials, clinical research over 38 years, a theory, etc. My latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, has a great explanation plus practical how-to of the neurocycle and my app called Neurocycle, which you can down tune, download from iTunes and Google Play, is where I literally give you therapy walking you through. And I show that when you use the neurocycle to manage your mind, and in this case, we're talking about using the neurocycle to be able to recognize when you're in a codependent relationship and go from the what to the why and changing that, then you are learning to basically mind manage. And I showed that when you use the, the app version, you really can get a tremendous handle on improving how you're managing your mind. It doesn't replace therapy, it enhances therapy. But you're only with your therapist, coach or counselor, maybe weekly, whereas you with yourself 24-7. So the neurocycle is an amazing way of helping you manage yourself 24-7 and keep yourself in a healthy place. So the neurocycle's got five steps. It's the gather, reflect, two writing steps, and an action step. So I'm kind of going to wind those in as I talk about the nine warning signals. So as I've said, we want to gather awareness of the what, and we want to find out the why. And the why is going to be in the root. So I'm going to show you, here's my toxic tree. You've all seen this. This is a thought, a toxic thought, and here's a healthy thought. Okay, so we're always building every experience every day into thoughts in our brain. And I talk about this a lot, so I'm not going to go into that in detail on this particular episode. But basically, the enabling, the codependency, the toxic version is here inside you and inside the other person. And it's connected. 
and kind of re- being reinforced. So the energy to keep these alive is happening. This is in your the caretaker's head. There's also one in the in the dependent's head. And as the relationship is in existence, the energy that keeps this thing alive, this volcano inside of us, is being given is coming from each other. So the actual source is coming from a need. In, so the source of this that is dependent on that's creating this feedback loop between and energizing in each other, both have got a source. So the reason why you are in a codependency, toxic codependency as a dependent has a, has a because of the roots, the origin, and the reason that you are maybe in a toxic codependency as a caretaker has got a reason. So you both have to do work on yourselves to find out why am I doing this? And that's what the neurocycle will do. The neurocycle helps you to recognize that you're in this toxic enabling feedback loop that's not helping either of you. And then you're going to each have to create the space to actually then go and sort out, deconstruct and reconstruct into a healthy tree so that your relationships now become this. And that will take time. It will take cycles of nine weeks. It may take multiple cycles, depending on how long this has been going on, how complex each of your source traumas are, experiences are. This is These basically are traumas. That it could take more than one cycle, but you will see massive, massive change in a sort of nine-week period. When you're immersed in the situation and you don't create the space to heal yourselves, each other, then you are basically constantly reinforcing the toxicity. But you need to create space in order to heal. So you need to create the space away from each other as physically far as possible, mentally far as possible, whatever's realistic. It may have to, I don't know what your circumstances are, but the, it's the, the complexities of that you'd have to have a look at. And in the, that place, you can then each work on your healing. So you've got to, there's still a relationship, no matter how far apart you are, but by each of you working on your own issues through using the neurocycle over 63 days and creating that space, you're going to bring healing into the situation together in the same place, carrying on. It's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So you've got to create the space. You've got to separate. You've got to each work on your own and then you can come back and then rebuild a new relationship that is empowering versus enabling. So let's talk about quickly the five steps and then wind in these nine signals. So first of all, you're going to gather awareness. In other words, you, you can't fix something until you're aware of it. We see from neuroscience that if we suppress, we can't change. It just gets worse. But if we face it and say, okay, there is codependency happening here. There's something toxic. You may not even know the word codependency applies. But if your relationship is to toxic, where you feel that your boundaries are being invaded, that you feel that you you have to help that person for your own value or that, that if you're the dependent person that you just need that person to keep kind of almost feeding into your addiction, where you just know there's just the relationship's just not healthy and it's bleeding out into other relationships, then codependency could be an issue. So the first thing is to gather awareness. And we know from neuroscience, once we start gathering awareness, then this becomes weakened, malleable, changeable. We can change anything. That doesn't have to stay like that. But the change comes from awareing, awareness, going through the five steps to deconstruct and reconstruct. So you're embracing through gathering awareness, and then you are processing through this whole understanding of the five steps, and then you are reconstructing, over um, embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing over time. And it takes 
cycles of nine weeks, not six, nine weeks, which is 63 days to rewire the brain. Okay. It's not going to be rewired and stabilized in one or four or seven or even 21. We often think it's 21 to build a habit. No, because this is a pattern, a neural pathway that has been set into your brain by your mind. It's also in the gravitational fields of your mind and it's in every cell of your body. So in order to change the cells of your body, what it looks that that codependency looks like in your body and your brain and your mind, you are going to have to take those cycles of 63 days to do that. Okay, so the first thing is to gather awareness of this codependency. Start bringing it up and recognize this relationship's a mess. Okay, so I need to now start gathering awareness of what is messy about this relationship. So now you need to look at these signals. And signals come into come in four groups, and the four groups are the emotions. What are the emotions that are happening? What are so is there frustration? Is there anger? Is there like what are the emotions that you are feeling as the caretaker, you are feeling as the dependent, okay? And that maybe people around you are noticing. What are the behaviors that you as the caretaker are doing and that you as the dependent are doing? What are the body, what does your body feel like as you're in this relationship? What is it because your body also is, is storing it in all your genes. So you've got that memory in your body. So your body is feeling it because your brain and your body and your mind are trying to, are, are feeling it. And the feeling is the signal of you to pay attention to it, to fix it. Okay. So we've got to listen to our, our the data from our brain, the data from our body and the data from our mind, which are in our thoughts, which come through the signals in order to be able to change it. So we listen to our emotions data. We listen to, with signals. We listen to our what behaviors we're doing. We look at those. We look at what's going on in our body. And we also look at our perspective. When you're in that codependent relationship, are you thinking this is hopeless? This is, this is, life sucks. This is terrible. I can't handle this. It's frustrating. I hate life. I can't do this anymore. What is your perspective, overarching perspective as from being in this relationship? And if it's very negative and toxic, those, those four signals are pretty easy to identify. So, okay, the relationship's uncomfortable. I gather awareness of that. Now I go a little deeper and I gather awareness of those signals. And then you start gathering, going even deeper and you start getting, starting, start reflecting on and asking, answering and discussing with yourself, why am I feeling like this, doing these behaviors, feeling this in my body and doing and have this perspective on life? What is that? And then that will take you into the thought. And inside the thought, we're going to start seeing these more specific signals. So those main category signals will then play out as specific signals. And those specific signals, there's more or less nine that are going to be embedded within this part of our thoughts in both the caretaker and the dependent. And those more specific signals are kind of like how we're interpreting the relationship and how it's playing out. And those come from something. They come, they are attached to the source. So as you look at the signals, you can then start more specifically. You can then, from that reflection, you can start writing down. And then you can start checking what you've written down. So the writing down step is a big jumbled step where you just pour all the stuff that you've gathered and all this information that you're reflecting on onto the page in a form of a metacog, which is a way of organizing information that really, really gets you thinking deeply. I tell you how to do it in my book and app. And then the fourth step is recheck where you are really trying to make sense of all this stuff. And then the fifth step is an action. And you do these five steps for around about 7 to 45 minutes a day for 21 days. And then for the next 42 days, you do them for around about five, five minutes a day, which then and at the end of 63 days, you've created a strong enough 
new thought that is now looking like this that is now going to help you function at a higher level, at a different level, and the other person to also function at a different level so that you've basically got now healthy thoughts working together as opposed to toxic. Okay, so let's look at these warning signals that are going to start showing up as you go through the five steps. So they show up in the reflect and the write and the recheck, and then the action is you take that all that information that you're gleaning every, each day and you turn it into a little action. You will not solve this in one day. So I'm giving you a big arching overview. You're not going to solve all these nine, the detail that I'm going to give you now. It's not going to come in one day. It's going to come over the 63 days. So this is something that you're working on. You can then listen to this podcast, get the NeuroCycle app, and you can put this slowly put all this information and spread it out over that period of time. Did you know about 80% of the brain is made up of water? For this reason, water is an essential nutrient the brain depends on to maintain optimal function. When our brains don't receive enough water, many negative effects can result, such as concentration and memory problems, brain fatigue and brain fog, headaches, sleep issues and more. One way my family and I love staying hydrated is by using LMNT electrolytes. LMNT is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. LMNT is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb or paleo diet. LMNT contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I particularly love their chocolate salt and watermelon salt. For a limited time, you can claim a free LMNT sample pack. All you have to do is pay for shipping. To claim the special offer, just go to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Okay, so first thing is people pleasing. Okay, so that's a signal. So as you reflect, you say, okay, I'm kind of people pleasing. So what does that look like in codependency? It's normal to want people to like you. So there's nothing wrong with that. We, we, we codependent. We like that. And we want, oh, we also want our loved ones to be happy. I, I hate seeing my kids and my husband sad or unhappy or frustrated or worked up or in battling. I want them to be happy. Okay. But there is a difference between these, having these and having to please people all the time. Okay. So people pleasers often feel like they have no choice but to keep other people happy. And that's the difference. So you want to keep people happy versus in a, in a sort of balanced, normal human way versus I have to keep people happy. Can you see the difference? So as you start reflecting and writing and rechecking, you need to start asking yourself, am I in like a, just a normal, you know, I want people to be happy. I want to please people. I want to do nice things and give them flowers and spend time with them and encourage them. Or am I feeling it's my duty, I have to please people. The only way that that I'm going to be accepted is I have to please them. I have to do everything to make them happy. It doesn't matter what I need. It doesn't matter if I'm very unhappy in making them happy. I just have to make them happy. It's the only solution to this problem. Then you are in people pleasing. That's toxic. That's going to create codependency, the toxic version. Okay. So it's, a, it's when you don't want to say no, when you compromise your values, when you know you shouldn't be doing that when you're trying to do something and you and you and you want to just have some time out on your own and that person needs you and you, okay, I've got to please them. So I'm not going to have that time out on my own. I'm going to do whatever. 
you suffer, the other people around you suffer, as I keep saying, it's going to bleed over into other relationships. Okay, and that basically is going to interfere substantially with your own needs. Okay, then the next thing is this famous thing that we speak about all the time, which is boundaries. And I did a podcast on boundaries and I used this example of the issue. Is the, is, and I'm just going to really quickly now and you can go listen to the podcast, but boundaries. Okay, boundaries are the limits of us recognizing that we can't fix other people and recognizing what we need for mental health. And when you're in the middle of a toxic relationship or you're in a codependent relationship that's toxic, when you're helping someone and it's shifting into enablement, it's all consuming. Look how this has taken up the whole space. There's no boundary here at all. It's just consuming. But once I start creating that space and doing the neurocycle and taking the time like I'm describing, over time I'm going to create space. Around 21 days, look at the space. It's the same issue, but I've got space. I'm getting perspective. I'm getting understanding. This is what boundaries are going to do. And then by day 63, I, the issue is there, but now it's been reconstructed because I have enough space to reconstruct it. Look at all the space around this. I'm completely looking at this differently. And now that has actually transformed into something that's healthy, that I can now have a new, healthier empowering versus enabling relationship codependency that's toxic very enabling as i keep saying so people in both roles both the caretaker and the dependent tend to have problems recognizing respecting and reinforcing boundaries okay so are you and i have to dig out my stone and everything's clunking are you here okay and that's what generally happens you don't recognize if your boundaries there's just like no boundaries so you've got to train yourself to understand one of the first things in your, as you go through the five steps, one of the things that you need to do is ask yourself that question. Do I recognize that maybe my boundaries have been, have been violated? Am I violating their boundaries? Am I violating my own? Do I feel safe in myself? Am I, what do I need? Am I meeting that need? That's a boundary. What do I need? You can ask yourself, what do I need? And am I getting that from this relationship? And so recognizing and respecting your own as well as others' boundaries and reinforcing. So it's recognizing, respecting, and reinforcing, okay? Having boundaries simply means that you respect the other person's right to their own feelings. And you also have the right to your feelings, okay? And autonomy. It means recognizing that you aren't responsible for that other person's happiness. I tell you, as a mom with four kids and the work that I do, and I know as a therapist, I used to feel so responsible for people's happiness. And it took me a lot of work on myself to recognize I'm not responsible for other people's happiness. I'm here to support, not to fix. Okay, if you think you've got to fix, you've crossed your own boundary and you've crossed other people's boundaries. So if you're trying to fix, you've crossed a boundary, your own and others. Okay, so I think, okay, then let's talk about self-esteem. That's a massive issue. So as I said earlier on, we, we want to help others. But sometimes you, you may, in, in a codependent relationship, may have to ask yourself, am I actually helping? What is my motivation? Am I helping that person because, and I said this earlier on, because it makes me feel good. That the only way I can feel good about myself is if I'm helping someone else. Now, that's not healthy because you need to feel good about yourself, whether you're helping someone else or not. Helping someone else in the right way, that creates all the right energy uh, mind works are energetic fields and gravitational fields and changes in your brain and body and your psychoneurobiology that actually will enhance a relationship comes from you being satisfied in who you are so it may be that you need to look at your self-esteem and dig down deep and and check that as the co as the caretaker and as the dependent because self-esteem affects both when our self-esteem is shot 
we will look to others to make ourselves feel better. And it's all distorted in codependency. Okay, and that's what we need to ask ourselves. Is this a self-esteem? Do I believe in myself? Do I recognize that I am literally wired for love? And I have some, a couple of really nice podcasts on what identity is, being wired for love, the science of identity, what happens after traumatic relationships and how that shoots our identity down. So that's something that if you find that's an issue and that you, you'll pick this up from your neurocycling, then one of your active reaches may be go listen to that podcast and then you may have to then really some of your active reaches in your in your five steps as you do them each day, your fifth step is the active reach as you go through the 63 days, may be a, a, have a self-esteem component. And then caretaking, there's another signal, a major sign of codependency is when you feel you have to take care of everyone all the time. Now, I'm a mother, as I said, I take care of my family. It's natural. But are you, are you distorting that to the point where you're enabling? Do you feel that am I caretaking? I have to ask myself the question because there's been periods where I've enabled my kids, where I have gone into codependency. And it started, my motivation is how it is I want to help them. I want them to have the best life. I want to put them in bubble wrap and not let anything bad happen. I want to fix the pain that they're going through. And in that desire to do it, I can get to the point because I'm in the field that I am and I'm being very open and honest, I then want to fix. Now, as soon as you want to fix, as soon as you think, okay, I'm the caretaker, I, I can, I, if I don't care for this person, if I don't do these things, they're not going to be okay. As soon as you do that, you're stepping into enablement and not empowerment. Because, it's, because as, as I say over here, is if you feel you have to take care of everyone all the time, that's not the case because you, no one can do that all the time. You've got to take care of yourself and there's certain people you can't take care of. And, and taking care means also letting a person take care of them, their, their own selves. So you can't do everything for a person. So to elaborate that, this typically can come from childhood where, where maybe a child had too much responsibility too young for whatever reason in the relationships at, at home that were maybe a, a unstable and not healthy or whatever. And so that, that, that stems through that, in other words, that you've always got to be the one caring. But it exhausts you. And the signs are, are you physically and mentally exhausted? Are you wearing out? Are you worn out? Are you overwhelmed? Those are the kinds of questions you can ask as a caretaker. Eating is a loaded topic. There is so much information out there and so much conflicting advice that it's very hard to know what to eat to maintain a good state of mind and body. Thankfully, Noom takes a different approach to food. It is designed to change how you see food with a psychologically based approach that looks at what you eat and how you eat as a unique individual with different health needs. Instead of making you feel guilt or regret, Noom empowers you to keep going. It helps you to find a sustainable way of eating that is designed to help you live your best life. Instead of trying to cram your life into someone else's idea of health, try Noom. They won't tell you what you can or can't eat because they don't believe in good or bad foods. Instead, they'll give you the knowledge and wisdom you need to make informed choices that fit your unique lifestyle. Since using this program, I have learned so much and have managed to make tweaks to what and when I eat daily to improve my mood and energy levels. I especially love the fact that I never feel pressured to eat a certain way or judged for my choices. Noom's program is so easy to use and so empathetic. Indeed, with Noom, taking care of your health is empowering instead of stress-inducing. You don't have to worry about taking a break or enjoying your life, as Noom will help you get back on track in no time. All you need is a daily 10-minute check-in. I love that with Noom, there are no grueling early morning routines or the need to take huge chunks of time out of your day. 
Start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash drleaf. That's n-o-o-m dot com slash drleaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Reactivity, another one. When you your identity is based on pleasing others, people pleasing, then you will become very, you will feel very responsible for everyone's well-being. Okay? And you might find yourself reacting to situations rather than acting out of your own volition. And what that means is you might find yourself being very defensive or internalizing criticism. So in other words, you, your reactivity increases. So if you are overreactive and you feel like you keep, you keep having to defend yourself and justify, then that reactivity is a sign that that relationship has gone into enablement and not empowering. You feel like you need to defend. It means that you're actually doing too much. And, and that feeling of, I'm doing so much, how can you not see what I'm doing? I've done this, okay, so I know what I'm talking about. And I've seen this in my patients, and it's in the, it's in the research. That, and it's, it's not a, it doesn't make you bad, it's just that you're showing up because of that. So why are you reactive? Once again, you've got to look at the why of the what. The what is the reactivity, the why. Why are you reactive? Why you feel like you de- you know, you're depending? Is it that self-esteem issue? Is it that thing from childhood? What is that root? And that's what you have to do the work to find out why you are, you are reactive. And I honestly found out that that the combination of the people pleasing and caretaking, all of these things that I that I have shared with you, I was driven very much by the the work of the field that I'm in. I felt honestly felt like I had all the answers. That if you just did this, it would be okay. And I had to stand back with my own family and my friends. It, you know, there's a therapist that works to facilitate. I know exactly how to facilitate in therapy, but with your own family, boundaries get crossed and you can then step over into these kind of things and be overreactive. And I know that my kids would often say to me, you've been so reactive. You're justifying, you're validating, you're defending, you don't have to defend. And I used to get frustrated with this, saying, I'm not justifying. I'm just, look what I've done. But you don't have to, as soon as you start saying, look what I've done, that's a justification. That's a validation. That's a, a defense kind of thing. It's, it's a reactivity. And it's, it's, it's great. Grab it. I grabbed that. And I saw that that's what I was doing. So I pulled back. And now I'm not as reactive. Now I've learned to not be so defensive. I don't have to. I don't feel that need because I've moved out of enablement into empowerment in, the, in those various relationships. Okay. So poor communication, a codependent mindset makes it very hard to communicate effectively. And that's why I was saying that consuming thing, it's very often where a therapist is great, family therapy, and space is essential. You've got to get give yourself space. When you have space, you have perspective. I tell you, it changes the playing field. Space, time, maybe time apart, and honestly, being apart for maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks is going to make a massive difference. When you come back together, that space has given you perspective, and you can then communicate more effectively. But when you're so consumed, you can't see the wood for the trees. You are looking at the situation like this. You are almost blinded. You can't see it. You're so consumed by the emotions that you're saying and doing things that you don't even mean. Our emotions are memories inside of our, are part of the memories inside of our thought trees. And they're up here, they're interpretation. And, they, and they're also down here in the actual original experience. And these are all toxic. And these toxic emotions will shoot through into, from our unconscious to our conscious mind and block our functioning and stop us seeing things correctly because they're so strong. And then when we see them out of wisdom, we can react and say things that we would never dream of saying. If you go and remove yourself from that whole situation and 
you go into a scenario and someone says, if this and this and this situation happened, what would you do? You give the perfect answer. But in that situation, you forget about all the perfect answers and you you you, you, you communicate incorrectly and you say things that you don't mean. Somewhere someone said, and it's the worst thing that they could have said, was it something that you, you would have heard this many times, that the, when you're angry, the truth comes out. No, it does not. When you're in a highly charged state, you're going to speak from toxicity, and that's not the truth. That's not who you are. It's telling you, you know, look at what you're saying, because that, that what you're saying is evidence for you become a thought detective, like I always say. It's evidence for you to see that, oh, gosh, I got, I got something going on. There's a because of. I'm saying this. It's not what I really believe about this person or the situation or the every, but I'm saying that in reaction to what that person said to me. So I'm going to grab that, grab the situation, do my neurocycle, add this to the pot daily neurocycling and work out why I said that. It's not the truth, but there's a reason why I said that. And you'll find more insight. And then once you have that, you can deconstruct it and reconstruct it into something that you now understand and that works for you. So next time you're triggered, you won't say that. These become insurance policies after 63 days. Insurance policies are to protect you in a disastrous situation. So in that situation with that person, when you've had the space and you've done the work, you have an insurance policy. And that insurance policy is not this. This is not an insurance policy. This is a destruction policy. Okay. We have this insurance policy and now this insurance policy is what will pop up in that relationship. And this is now how you will deal with with all the situation coming at you. It's now you're seeing things differently and you have better words, better wisdom, better ways of handling that situation. So if you've done the work and the other person hasn't, you've got this insurance policy and you can keep yourself away from that situation. If you've both done the work, you're going to work together to get to a healthy new relationship. Okay. Lack of self-image, we're almost done. We've discussed this. Self-image is really important. Low self-esteem, no self-esteem in both parties. It's a huge factor in codependency because if things have happened to you and addiction is a pattern that you're using to deal with that, what you're doing, any kind of addiction is coming from a trauma and trauma changes how you see yourself. And how you see yourself is generally toxic. But there's the truth is that you are wired for love. And you are for optimism and you can do something that no one else can do. So self-esteem, as I mentioned already, I have some podcasts. I have books as well talking about understanding the science of the perfect you. Very important that you work on that in codependency, both parties. And then one of it's not last, last but not the least, these things can put stress on a relationship. So this is where the, you know, being in the, the, the stone in the little small cup, it's very consuming. The relationship can be stressed and other relationships can be stressed. So therefore the therapy, the space, the distance, Applying the neurocycle over these 63 days, being very deliberate and intentional about systematically rewiring your brain and these patterns is vitally important. Well, I hope that has helped you. I've given you lots of information. Listen to this again. Get into the neurocycle. If you see this in a relationship, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can rebuild that relationship and have an amazing relationship. But enabling versus empowering is vital to understand. I did do a podcast as well on enabling versus empowering and that will also help you as you try and sort out a codependency if that is happening in your life or if you know someone who is battling with that give them these two podcasts get the book get the app and i'm i know it's going to help you it's helped so many of my patients and so it's helped me so many times and friends and family as well thank you for joining me today and i look forward to seeing you next time i hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful 
If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.